Attention Podcast. I am your host, Matt Cranstuber, with Ruben Bressler. Hi, everyone. And Joey Pasco. Hey, everybody. How's it going, guys? How's it going, guys? Hey, Jinx, you owe me Coke. I just drank a Coke. I don't know how many oh, more left. So, it, it's been a while since we've all been uh, in the same uh, internet room. Yeah. <laughs> chat. The same chat room. <laughs> Yeah, it's been uh, a while because uh, we'll, well, we had we had the Cedric episode where you were feeling under the weather, Cranny, and then yeah. uh, Joey decided he went to Spain. Yeah, a high uh, out of the country. That's un- yeah. that's not excusable. Yeah, sorry, that's guys. Right. So you got to do what you got to do to escape the law. Sure, <laughs> understandable. Yeah, so now now we're back and better than ever. And we've got we've got a good batch of topics to discuss because there was a lot of stuff that there's a lot of stuff that's happened in the last couple of weeks, but there's a lot of stuff that happened this past weekend. So yes. let's dive right into hashtags. So this week we're going to talk about uh, a little bit about GP San Jose that happened this past weekend. That was a team sealed format, very very cool format, uh, good turnout. Then we're going to talk about SCG Providence that uh, was the open that happened this past weekend. Then we're going to talk about Pro Tour Return to Ravnica. And we're going to go over our Pro Tour fantasy roster and uh, our picks, as we usually do. And then maybe just a little bit of discussion on what we got over the next couple episodes, because we're kind of getting up there. Yeah. uh, So uh, before we dive into any of those topics, of course, we should probably shout out our sponsor, StarCityGames.com. In Contention is the official podcast of StarCityGames.com Open Series. And this weekend, the Open Series comes to Indianapolis, Indiana with $10,000 prize pools in both the standard and legacy opens. If you can't be there, be sure to tune in to SCGlive.com and catch Adam Prozac and Robert Martin bringing you all the action with Glenn Jones in the sideboard. The Twitter hashtag for this weekend is SCGindy, so you can use that to join in the discussion. If you can't make it out, be sure to check out an invitational qualifier tournament near you. Go to the StarCityGames.com Open Series page for a complete listing at StarCityGames.com slash Open Series. Oh, Open underscore Series. So... Yeah, we got uh, Indy. That's that's like right on my doorstep, but it's really bad timing because my birthday is really nearby. And uh, actually, yeah. related birthday, happy birthday to you, Ruben. That was uh, this past weekend at yeah. at Cincy. So, oh, did you do anything yeah. fun? Um, I yeah, I went out with some folks. Um, hung out with a couple of the, a bunch of the Cincinnati guys that I know. Um, yeah, and then my parents are coming. Coming to Roanoke this weekend to visit, so that's that's what I got planned. Fantastic! Oh, and I, I missed the topic there, and you maybe did. we could start with this one. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hashtag ban Thrag Tusk. Ban right. Thrag. Yeah. So, so why would you want to ban Thrag Tusk anyway? Well, right. for, first, so this I, was a this was a debate that started on Twitter. I guess Monday, um, that people were like arguing that it's so ubiquitous. And so grindy, it like slows all the games down so much that it just needs to go. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Jeez, I don't. I don't even know where to start with this. You. You don't need to. First of all, I don't think you should ban. If when you need to ban a green creature, <laughs> like how far have we gone that we need to ban a green creature? And second of all, you know, there are there are ways that you can handle Thrag Tusk, and there are ways that you can deal with it. Um, Aaron Forsyth said that uh, you can slaughter games it, which has never really been a good option, as Adam Prozac mentioned. Um, but you can also just outrace it. You can, you know, adopt an even more controlly strategy where guys just don't even matter. Uh, I, I don't think that it's. I'm not. I'm not going out on a limb saying that we don't need to ban Thrag Tusk. Mm. Right. I think. Uh, I think the the idea of it. I think it's kind of not serious. Like, re- nobody really thinks that Thrag Tusk should be banned. But the topic. Uh, I think it's a legit uh, kind of concern, or at least you know the the thoughts behind the hashtag. I guess are kind of reasonable, at least at this point in the format. Uh, after doing so many, uh, watching so many standard matches this past weekend in Providence, Thrag Tusk is, you know, one of the most played cards. And, you know, you'd be deep in a game, and you'd have all these life swings, and then you'd look up and go, what, what are life totals? Oh, it's uh, 22 to 18. And you're like, wow, what's 
<laughs> how, yeah. how did this happen? There's like creatures bashing back and forth, and right. It's like or you no, have the no dirtle mirror, and it's like thirty-eight to thirty-three. Right. You can have that kind of situation where they're not even exchanging uh, swings, but you know you have all this damage being dealt. But because of cards like Thrag Tusk, Restoration Angel, Angel, Angel of Serenity, which was huge this weekend. I guess it's a five yes. six. It's always huge, but you know, uh, it's. Allowing people to gain so much life and uh, clog up the board so much that it's it's extending games, and that's something that you know we we don't want the game to ever be too fast, like you know combo decks. But you don't ever want games to just be going on forever. Otherwise, you you know you have a forty minute game one, and then you don't get to finish game two, um, unless you're in the top eight, which it's untimed. But uh, yeah, it's it's kind of excessive. I think. In general, the idea is is silly uh, and not too serious, but I thought it was funny enough to to kind of bring up. Yeah, I think I think uh, it's probably just a little bit of frustration at maybe uh, you know every green deck plays Thrag Tusk, right? Yeah. If you're if you're playing a Temple Garden or an Overgrown Tomb or whatever, there's a there's probably like a ninety percent chance that between your main deck and Cyborg, you have four Thrag Tusk. Yeah, basically, so, like black green zombies, maybe jun zombies, sure. maybe. Yeah, yeah. So you know, aside from aside from zombies, of yeah. course, but I, I think that Thrag Tusk is a card that tr- transitions very well over from the rotation. You know, the format was much faster when Infect was was still in the format, so Thrag Tusk really wasn't doing you a whole lot, and so his stock definitely goes up. I think that I think you're right, Joey, that the idea of banned Thrag Tusk is more tongue in cheek. Than anything, um, but I mean, if you look at uh, you know, why don't why don't we talk about some of the decks that we saw this past weekend? Yeah, because I think if you look at these decks, there's still plenty of uh, space for non Thrag Tusk green decks. Um, but I mean, I, I personally am, am every deck that I, I start with plays for Thrag Tusk, and it's I kind of go back to the when the card was first spoiled, and you know, Chapin wrote his article about it, like do you realize how many things this card does? Like how, you know, how much mana you would have to, to pay to get this effect normally. And the fact that it's, you know, beast making abilities, a leaves play ability means that it's very difficult to, you know, run a strategy that deal with. Yeah. 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 So anyway, let's talk decks from this past weekend because there is a, a bunch of new decks, of course, because we, you know, this is really only the second tournament with Return of Ravnica being le- legal. And uh, we've seen a lot of, uh, we'll call it like Doran or Junk mid-range slash reanimator decks sort of floating to the top. So a lot of them on camera. I've seen a ton of them online. Um, I, to me, this seems like the deck to beat. So like the first place deck, Mark, Mark Blesso, is playing green-white-black tokens. And he's... I, I think this is a really solid looking list, and 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 Soren, Lord of Innistrad, sort of like came out of nowhere and surprised everybody that like you know we haven't seen Soren put up good results pretty much ever, right? Yeah, I mean maybe right. the first weekend, uh, first or first maybe few weekends when he was legal back in the, uh, the late winter, but right after. Well, Dark a Ascension. few a few th- things happened to make Soren really good. First of all. I mean, the format is completely different. So here's here's what happened. The tempo decks all left, right? So the uh, all of the different variants of Delver are no longer good enough. And now you can play Planeswalkers again, as we saw week one with Jason Tamio, right? Mm-hmm. Then Jason Tamio decks became good. So you wanted to have a trump on Jason Tamio. And Soren does that. Soren has the Elspeth ability of just putting a 1-1 into play. But also, and more importantly, has the Orcish Orlaflem uh, emblem <laughs> to be able to counteract Jace's Cumberstone, right? Yeah. And also does not have an irrelevant ultimate, being able to steal Planeswalkers, because the blue decks have a very bad uh, time dealing with an active Sorin. Mm. And so they can, you can just steal Sorin, Jace, and Tamio. Or Thrag Tusk Jace Tamio, or something along those lines, uh, and it's it's a very difficult card to deal with for those decks. Um, yeah. It's also backed up really well by the other token producers, of course, which is uh, mostly Lingering Souls, um, because 
creating what's better than creating four one ones? Creating four two ones. So, I mean, and it also runs Yorick Relentless in the main deck as well. And uh, something that uh, a few a few weeks ago, Chris, I think his last name is Weininger, is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, who is playing four color reanimator in yeah. Cincinnati? Yeah. When yeah. I when I saw that list, I got really excited. I actually liked Freed's forever ago, like when Brad Nelson was really kind of talking it up, and I I had sort of the the bones of the deck built on Moto, and I was really waiting for the set to get legal. In fact, I I had a uh, a deck loaded up like right as Ravnica became legal, and I went and you know, I did a bunch of sealed decks and got all the cards for it. And um, something that I'm noticing a lot is Vraska is becoming something that I think is going to see a, a bump in play, especially yeah. as we see more main deck. Like, I've seen a ton of, of uh, Jace Architect of Thought. I mean, he's showing up in, in huge numbers. Uh, you're definitely seeing more Sorens than you've seen before. You're definitely seeing more Garuk Relentless than you've seen before. So, and, and, you know, if you look at the, uh, Tumio is, of course, still very popular. And Vraska sort of trumps them all, right? Vraska is very hard to interact with when she's on the board by herself, aside from, like, Oblivion Ring. Because if you want to attack into her, you're going to lose your team. So if you play her on an empty board against, you know, a player playing any of these Planeswalkers, she's a really good insurance policy uh, against them. She's so, like a five-mana Dreadbore, is that... Yeah, well, no, I think like... <laughs> they then have to deal with. Right, Yeah, that's like true. if you look at the reanimator lists, they're running, you know, they're running the mana dorks, like uh, Arbor Elves and the um, Absence Pilgrim, but they're also running Farseek, so you can conceivably get this out. Uh, your opponent's turn four play could be a Jace, and your turn four play could be a Vraska. And oh, given that blue decks don't really have much of a clock, the best that they could do to interact with that might be to like Pillar of Flame it, you know? Otherwise, like you present a very serious threat to your to your opponent's strategy. So I've I've actually moved. I had two in the sideboard. He had I think he had one, and I've yeah. moved them to the main deck because they've wow. been so good. Yeah, they're yeah, they're super good. I forget who said it originally, but someone on Star City Games compared Vraska to Frost Titan. Mm. In that all of the other Titans were better than Frost Titan in a vacuum, but it was the Titan Trump. Right, <laughs> right, and Vraska is the Planeswalker trump. All the other Planeswalker options, right now at least, seem to be better. You know, both right. Garrix, Jace, not Big Jace, obviously. Although I've seen Big Jace in the sideboard of some of the control decks um, for the Dirtle Mirror, um, Soren, obviously. So you've got this Vraska as your trump, and I think that that's a completely reasonable place to be. The thing is, it's not going to just like Frost Titan was never a million dollar card in comparison to. Primeval Titan, it's just never going to be the million-dollar planeswalker everybody thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. That, that seems accurate to me. Like I, I feel like when we originally discussed Vraska, I think we sort of uh, came to the conclusion that she was pretty... She wasn't awful and she wasn't great. She was somewhere in between, and I think basically it, it really depends on the format. And as you mentioned, yeah, more, the more planeswalkers around, the better Vraska gets. Right. So, But, but otherwise, like the more creatures... like. If, I, if I'm playing a creature deck and my opponent goes, Vraska, you can't attack Vraska, or, you know. Right. Um, Vraska's fine. Fifth I'm turn not trying nothing. to kill Vraska. I'm <laughs> trying to kill you. Yeah. So. Yeah, she really, she really doesn't have applications uh, against any of the aggressive decks. I mean, it's nice. Yeah, to against kind the of like, aggressive decks, she's destroy target creature, gain two life. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the Which fact that you can't go minus, minus. Yeah, means that she loses a ton of the utility that Karn, Karn like had some sort of incidental value against the aggressive decks. If you were able to minus him and then minus him again, like yeah. it was, you know, double vindicate for seven mana is usually fine, perfectly fine. Yeah, and uh, and 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 she doesn't get land. And like I said, you I think you really have to have a strategy built around her. But I, I would definitely be on the lookout for Braska to see at least more cyborg play in these in these junk decks. I think that, that there, she has a ton of utility there. But, Another um, important note is that uh, very, very, very few counterspells are seeing play right now, even out of the control decks. Right. Because they can just amass so much value. There's so much redundancy with Thrag Tusk and Angel of Serenity uh, that, that you don't really want the counterspells. And against the aggressive decks, your counterspells are awful anyway, right? Because your, your two-mana counterspells are Essence, Scatter, Negate, or Syncopate. Now, Syncopate's a reasonable option, but it gets way worse as the game goes on, 
And I don't know if you've noticed, but this format goes on forever. Mm. Like games in this format, everyone has 15 lands in play. You know, yeah. Uh, I was I was talking to somebody and said that you know for the uh, if you're building Chromatic Lantern Control, which was a deck that we saw a couple times this weekend, our own friend Jack Grannon was on camera round one on Saturday playing a Chromatic Lantern Control deck. Yeah, and he top eight um, states with that list. He top eight. He top four states. I yeah, top four. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it's almost reasonable to have door to nothingness in the sideboard. <laughs> like that's uh. how. Slow and 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 ridiculous and glacial. These these like Bant versus four color versus blue white red control matchups can be because they just tick up Tamio until you can ultimate and then tick up uh, Jace until you can you know factor fiction eight times and you've all got ninety lands in play and you're all activating Desolate Lighthouse and you're having the Angel versus Angel dance over and over again <laughs> and uh, yeah so. Yeah, we ended up, we had two blue-white control lists, just straight-up blue-white control make the top eight, which I thought was interesting right away because yes. most of these blue-white lists, at least at this point, two weeks into the format, um, want to splash for Pillar or for Thrag Tusk. That's, or, or for both if you're Jack Grannon. Um, so right. you mm-hmm. uh, you see these two decks, uh, Edgar Flores and Jake Mondello, both made top eight with blue-white control. We featured Jake uh, on camera in the quarterfinals, and he, he had a rough time fighting Rakdos' return, which shouldn't be too sure. much of a surprise because you're a control deck. You tap out on turn four or five for Jace or Tamio, and then they they say, all right, well, I'm going to tap out for a Rakdos' return. You know? Yeah, and he's only got two syncopates in his list. Yeah, as far as counter spells, it's it's not much. Um, we did get to a point where it was I, I was impressed. He did uh, he won game two on the back of basically the one of Sphinx's revelation that got him right back into the game. He was at two life, and sure. his opponent had lethal attacks on board, and uh, he attacks, and he responds with a, a, a Sphinx's revelation, gains him a life, lets him survive through the turn, and he just dug right back into the game. So uh, it, it was it was pretty cool, and and the key runes I think are uh, something that are uh, a, a card that or a card cycle that's worth exploring. And we see absolutely he's playing I think three Azorius key rune there. People were saying that the best one is Rakdos's key rune. Mm-hmm. I've I, seen Selesnya key rune in several deck lists, including uh, a similar Junk Walkers list that uh, BBD posted last week to the one that won. Although he was running uh, big five mana Garrick instead of Garrick Relentless, and this deck is running Azorius Key Rune, which is the first two power Key Rune that we've seen uh, get some play. And there's also Golgari Key Rune, which can effectively work like Elimination as well as Mana Acceleration sometimes. Um, and so I think that, that yeah, they they certainly have not uh, seen. We, we certainly have not seen the last of the Key Runes, especially. And I think that the real sleeper one could be is it Kirun because you know all these decks are running Desolate Lighthouse and if nobody has a creature in play, your Desolate Lighthouse can cost you know a Kirun and two mana and actually deal them damage. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's cool. I still think the best one, in my opinion, because of the uh, incredible population of Thrag Tusks that we're seeing, uh, the the Rakdos Kirun seems like just such a great way to to deal with the Thrag Tusk. It just ends up being. Gain five life, um, yeah, because it, it, it blanks the beast and it blanks or blanks the tusk and then it blanks the the forthcoming beast, uh, the subsequent beast. That's what I was. Looking. I wanted to quickly talk about Dan Jordan's three color reanimator deck because I thought that that was the best deck in the tournament. Oh, for sure. Um, and much much like week one when the best deck in the tournament didn't win, um, I, I feel like Dan's Dan's list is just so good, and it, it offers you so much game in different fo- forms and fashions. I think that the numbers are probably not correct, but something like this is the future of Reanimator. I think junk is where we're going, and uh, Faithless Looting will likely get left in the dust. Yeah, that's my, my opinion. I'm on the Reanimator train. Uh, just just having mulch next to Grizzly Salvage next to like I'm running Faithless Looting also, and you just dump so many cards in your graveyard, and you have so many options. Uh, especially game one, like you, you lose very few game ones to decks that aren't just out the gates uh, doing a lot more than you. And like being able to sit back on Centaur Healers and Thrag Tusk against aggressive decks gives you a lot of game there. 
Um, so I, I do like this build. The only reason that I would be inclined to play Blood Crypts in this format right now is having access to Pillar of Flame is just so important. Sure. That's actually uh, the the first thing that I changed in Chris's deck, in addition to moving the Vraskas into the main deck, is playing Pillar of Flame in the main deck. And it, you just... Like, you don't have a lot of turn one plays. Like, this this deck can play Arbor Elf and Avacyn's Pilgrim so that you can sort of, like, ramp in. And Deathrite Shaman. And, and Deathrite Shaman. Got one Deathrite Shaman. Yeah, and he has actually more in the sideboard. Uh, presumably, I mean, that card's got to be insane in the mirror. And it's something I've been kind of, like, toying with. I, I, I got a few in, in a couple sealed pools and was really impressed, even in the context of Ravnica Limited, at how good he was. So I could definitely see... Maybe him even coming in and replacing some number of elves, uh, elves in the main deck, just because you know once you get a mulch going, you should yeah. pretty much have every mode active, and it's so good at stopping angels from uh, your opponent's angels from uh, you know getting their own stuff back from the yard. It stops on barrel. You know you can RFG and on barrel rights or lingering souls. You can RFG creature targets. I mean, it is the mirror breaker. It's very, very powerful. And it's hard to, I mean, unless you're playing pillars, like, look at this deck. How does it deal with an active Deathrite Shaman? It just has to play, like, you know, it has to play fair magic. It can't, you know, be using the graveyard like it normally does. So Yeah, looking at Dan's list, he has nothing in the main deck to deal with the Deathrite Shaman. And out of the sideboard, he's got Oblivion Rings and Abrupt Decays, but... That's still and and uh, sever the bloodline, but that's still not a ton of answers to a to a one mana thing. Yeah, good, good, uh, good insight, Ruben. I, I I'm kind of on the same wavelength as you. I think that's uh, that's going to be a good good progression. But if you guys don't mind, I'd like to transition over to legacy. I, one more thing I wanted to. Uh, oh, go ahead. I did. I want to note about Thrag Tusk since that was that's part of what transitioned us into standard. Right. Uh, the top three decks all played four Thrag Tusk. There were 17 Thrag Tusks in the top eight, so we're actually just in the top six. All the uh, the top, uh, yeah, the top four decks. Actually, I'm sorry, there were yeah 17 in the top six. The top four all played Thrag Tusk. The Black Green Zombies deck had one in the board, so you can see how big this card is, uh, as yeah. if you didn't already know. But just just some numbers there for you. Yeah, all four top decks from this weekend were Black Green, Black Green Red, or Black Green White. And both of the finals decks were junk black green white decks of different types. Yeah, there was some now, overlap, but mostly, uh, yeah. Com- right. They both had Avacyn's Pilgrim and Thrag Tusk and Arbor Elf and Angel. Right. But they had different roots about uh, getting to that to that end game. Yeah. Now it's probably worth mentioning, just as sort of a sidebar, that the reason that I think the junk combination is probably floating toward the top is is because Naya and Rug don't don't have their their color their combinations in yet. full. That's correct. Yeah, so I, I think that once Breeding Pool and Sacred Foundry enter the format, I think that that'll change in Stomping Ground. I think that's going to change things up a little bit. I actually think that Rug would probably be the deck to be right now. Um, it, you know, if you're not on the Ambero Rights plan, I think that that Rug's a really good co- color combination. Or even if you just look at some of these three color like Esper decks, I think having access to the Guile of Shrine and the Water Grave would be pretty darn important. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and given that they're still floating to the top, uh, that that would definitely be one to watch out for. So, uh, in any case, uh, I, if if uh, if you don't mind, let's let's talk a little bit about Legacy because there's a few decks that showed up that we haven't seen. One one I don't know that I've seen in like over five years. Which is kind of kind of crazy. Which is uh, they called it mono blue aggro. It's actually usually referred to as sea stompy. Yeah, we called it sea yeah. stompy on the coverage. You know, while uh, covering it live on screen. So, so the the crazy thing about this deck, as far as innovations, it's it looks very stock. Um, it does have Frexine Revokers, a new one, and it has uh, Illusory Angel. Yeah, that's which is, a good one. Wow, like it, it, it still plays Sea Drake, but uh, if you don't know what Illusory Angel does, that's okay. It's a it's a plane chase card. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> we don't blame you. It costs three mana. In standard. Yeah, and I don't even know how they how they got this out. I suppose it's off of the back of Cloud of Fairies, but it's three mana four yeah. four flyer, and you can only play it if you've cast another spell this turn. So yep. it, it's this deck is is very interesting. It chal- four chalice of the void, four chrome Mox, a full suite of lands that add two mana. I mean, it looks like a lot of fun. I'll be honest. 
Yeah, I don't he, know how this deck won that many rounds, but um, I just don't know that this could ever be the show and tell deck. Yeah, he got uh, he got kind of destroyed in the the top eight, so we didn't get to see a very impressive showing from the deck. But uh, but as far as the illusory angel, like he has four chrome boxes, the cloud of fairies, and yeah. chalice of the void. If you you know in a pinch, if mm-hmm. you uh, really want to get the angel down on uh, on three mana, I guess you could do it on. You could do it on turn one, you know, Chrome Mox, The other, the other Tomb, thing that Illusory I saw Angel. was uh, Aaron Forsyth tweeted that he's very happy that Serendib Efreet is in the uh, top eight of a tournament again. <laughs> yeah, that it, that it got new life or something. Yeah, I, yep. I did see that. So the, the other deck that was one that really, it's kind of funny, back when uh, when Sam used to be in the, in the land of, of us lowly players, we, we probably brewed more... Cloud post decks and legacy than I think we than any other format we've ever brewed for, and uh, we were really excited when when Candelabra sort of came back into the format and we were playing like all these big slow Emrakul decks. We were playing. We I, I should I should try to like full, pull up our chat logs because some of these decks were just crazy. I mean, we had like Nether Void <laughs> and Enlightened Tutor and Post yeah. and Abyss. I mean, these these decks were just off the wall. We tried every combination, but there was a twelve post deck in the top eight. Piloted by Jeremiah Rudolph, uh, with I mean this this list is is just awesome. Uh, it's pretty similar to the list that we saw like back when you know High Tide and Spiral and Mental Misstep and you know all that was the rage. But uh, if you haven't seen one of these decks before, you should go check it out. It's it's pretty cool. It's, it got four has four Primeval Titan among other things in it in, in Show right. and Tell. Yeah, so. this this particular variation we kept referring to it as bombs and carrots. Bombs and carrots. Bombs and carrots. If you well, if you watch yeah. the uh, <laughs> if you watch the the coverage, you'll see that Jeremiah was eating carrots constantly. <laughs> um, this that's, this was his shtick. Yeah, uh, like big carrots, and, not like baby carrots. You know, yeah, like the, enormous bugs, like bunny bugs carrots. bunny carrots with exactly. like green with like green foliage coming off the end of no it. No foliage. No foliage. <laughs> just, just the carrots, but nice. uh, yeah. Still, I think that uh, and and I also wrote a uh, a top four. Um, uh, feature with him against Jim Davis. Jim Davis was on uh, was on Goblins, and he actually beat Jeremiah during the Swiss. Um, but he lost in the top eight due to some bad draws. But Jeremiah actually had had it, the game one was absolutely absurd. If you like have a chance, go back. Long, wasn't it, it? It was fifty minutes. Yeah, um, <laughs> and he, was, he was sitting on two life several times. He had to keep uh, glimmer posting and vesuving his glacial chasm so as to not die. And then finally, when Jim uh, didn't tap down two of his cloud posts in his upkeep um, because he'd already gotten two more, and so Jim had sort of given up on the mana denial plan, he finally went off. And uh, and that 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 little last paragraph of game one was quite a sight to behold. I'll have to look at that because, of course, we. Uh we, we weren't covering that when you were doing the written coverage of that one. We moved over to the game after the, the other match finished up, and um, we or we moved over to that match after our other match finished up, so we only got to see game two, which was fairly sure. quick because it looked like Jim just, Jim kind of gave up, uh, couldn't, couldn't yeah, really get Jim old. mulliganed to four, yeah, uh, and then had one land, and then uh, Jeremiah put a tabernacle into play. Yeah. So. And so Jim scooped it up. So, Any yeah. other fun stories from the weekend? I mean, you guys were both there. I, you know, I'd well, uh, just just on the you know the carrots bugs note, we did uh, <laughs> <laughs> we did we kept uh, referring to or well, what we noticed. Adam Prozac and I in the booth noticed that every time we had a bug deck on camera, it won. Um, so we had like three different bug decks on camera until the top eight when we had a bug deck and Elliot Wolcheski, eventual winner, took it down. And then I think he took down, uh, or, or at some point Elliot took down a bug deck in the top eight. And then we noticed that he was facing bugs in the finals <laughs> and he took them down. So Elliot Wolcheski, the bug slayer or the exterminator as, uh, as we were calling him. So nice, just, uh, kind of an amusing uh, I'm using little side note there. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> Fantastic. Well, I uh, I'd like to get into modern discussion, but before we go into that, we had a huge event happen in San Jose this past weekend, which uh, was Grand Prix San Jose. 
which was, uh, uh, in, in case you don't know, a team sealed in Ravnica, which uh, team sealed is three players, and between the three players you have 12 packs, and you use the 12 packs to build three decks, and then you play the the Swiss rounds like you would, and then it's, uh, you know, like if you have, if it was us three, for example, and I lost my match, but Joey and Ruben won their match, then we get the match win. Oh, wow, that's cool. This yeah. seems relatively unrealistic. I don't think I've ever seen Joey play Magic. No, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know how to play Magic. <laughs> somebody, I'm waiting for somebody to teach me, but there you go. So one of the other, uh, first of all, everyone at, at Wizards was sort of worried about this event. Um, in the back of their head, they were like, man, we sure hope this is a success. <laughs> and then uh, the best possible result happened. Where they got seventeen hundred players, unbelievable! It be- it became basically a mini convention, uh, where they had like all the the uh, the various um, uh, cosplay celebrities. There was an Avacyn there. There was a Liliana there. We had lots of uh, other celebrities from around the Magic world, as well as just celebrities in general. For example, uh, Day Nine TV, famous StarCraft streamer. Was uh, was on the feature match uh, camera at one point, and so it just it became a whole thing that people want more of this. They're, they're clamoring for more uh, for more team events, and I would be shocked if there wasn't one a year, at least from here on out. Yeah, I, I think um, just the idea of a team event, it, it, and just you suggesting a couple minutes ago, you know, if it were us three or something, that, that would, seems like so much fun. Just like play magic with your friends. And, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, and um, you don't have to go like you know after a round, you go meet up with your friends. How'd you do? No, none of that. You're sitting next to your besties all day. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, they, it it you know it's you know of course the Ravnica seal format's really fun. Um, we did team sealed last Tuesday. Uh, which we usually reserve for cube, but when there's a limited format, our weekly group will play, you know, will draft. Well, we had an odd number, so we decided uh, to help a couple of the guys in our group, uh, Jacob and Rich. They were flying out to San Jose. They said, hey, do you mind if we do some seal pools? And we played it, and it was in, it was insanely fun. And um, it, it really, I think I've talked on the show before, at I think my favorite time playtesting and playing Magic was during Ravnica Kamigawa Standard. And during that time, Wizards did a team PTQ and Pro Tour format, which was Ravnica Kamigawa Standard. And I I was going to school at the time, but we had like a pretty big group. I think we had four, four teams of three going to a PTQ. And we were all doing testing, and we were like trying to decide... You know who's going to be on what team, and then when we, when we finally decided who was going to be on our teams, like we had like email threads going, and we were like talking about testing, and each one of us is doing our individual testing, and we'd be like, hey, you know, I need I need to to use the the GTAs, and and you know, sure, well, I'm sure, that was a lot of people. <laughs> I need the GTAs. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and but there was just like a level of camaraderie that I think you know that was like that was really fun, and like that's something that could probably get me to to go to a PTQ. Um, I don't know, did you guys have uh, uh, any experience with that? Uh, no experience with it, but it does seem very, very fun. Uh, I know the being kind of the first team event in, in a while for Wizards, I think there are some logistical issues that they need to figure out. We did... Uh, we did see that the, I think day one was 11 rounds long and they had finished maybe five rounds. It was like 6 p.m. or something. And you're like, wow, they've got six rounds still to go or something, you know, yeah. something like that where, you know, these people are, these players are playing into the wee hours of the morning and then have to come right back and, uh, and play again just a few hours later. So there's something, something there. I don't know exactly what slowed things down because we've seen GPs, you know, last or have, 1,500 people, 2,000 people, you know, before. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not anything too new. It's, it's a very successful GP, of course, but sure. uh, whatever it was that kind of slowed them down, I, I'm sure this being, again, the first one in a while, they, they're kind of rusty with this, maybe this particular kind of way of running things, but they'll, they'll get it 
right? And I think uh, I imagine we're going to see more of these, you know, even if it's just one a year. Yeah. So Matt Sperling, David Williams, and Paul Reitzel, uh, Magic is not a skill game, <laughs> took, down, <laughs> took down the Grand Prix against Lucas, uh, Lucas Lowe, Jamie Naylor, and Maxime Grin. And uh, I'll be honest, I don't know a couple of those names. So they're They're one of the Canadian teams. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I recognize Lucas, but not, not yeah. the other two guys. So um, definitely uh, definitely an awesome format. Of course, you know, we don't we do not do a lot of limited commentary, but we've all been playing a, I would say, a ton of Radnica sealed and draft between the three of us. Uh, so, you know, it is a fun format. It's just we, we leave it to, uh, to Marshall and the limited resources guys to, to give the colorful commentary there. So where we would prefer to, to take the discussion is the upcoming Pro Tour Return to Ravnica that's coming up this weekend. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday, this is in two days. Right. And the format is the exciting, the new and exciting modern format. Yep. So as we, in our typical fashion... We like to do the Pro Tour, uh, the Fantasy Pro Tour application that Wizards has uh, been kind enough to create and put online. And uh, what it does is it tabulates the results of, uh, you know, you pick out your instant, your creature, et cetera, et cetera. And then at the end, um, depending on how often, like how numerous those cards show up in the tournament, you you get a, a certain point weight and then it will rank you. And so the, the three of us like to give our picks, and then after the Pro Tour, we can kind of talk about where we were, like, totally wrong, where, you know, we expected, you know, a certain deck to do very well, and it turned out that the the metagame was entirely different. So um, why don't we dig right into our Fantasy Pro Tour roster here, and uh, let's do it. So the first category on the list is Small Creature. So... This, I think, is a really important category here because this is this sort of like defines, you know, what we're going to be doing the first couple turns of the game. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let's do it in order. Let's go, uh, Ruben, or what's a Ruben me or Ruben Joy me? Okay, and we'll, we'll do our we'll do our picks here. So, all right. Ruben. So there were a couple of options here that are you know reasonable. Um, one of which, of course, being Snapcaster Mage, one being Delver of Secrets. You could make an argument for uh, any of the affinity creatures. But I went with Tarmogoyf. I think that there are multiple archetypes that include Tarmogoyf in it, and they all have him as a three and a four of. And so my choice for the small creature is Tarmogoyf. Nice. Uh, and, and Ruben mentioned mine. Did not choose mine. Thank you, Ruben. Yeah, I am no indeed going to go with Snapcaster Mage. Um, I think, you know, we all know how versatile of a card it is. It, it, pretty much any blue deck that plays a bunch of spells wants a Snapcaster Mage. So sure. uh, that's my choice. Shock. Right. Shock that Joey Pasco went with Snapcaster Mage. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going to take it in the same direction as Ruben. Tarmogoyf was the most played small creature at the World Championship. Um, I I think I'm going to go ahead and select Tarmogoyf with an honorable mention to Noble Hierarch. Sure. So, because Noble Hierarch is the mirror breaker, and I think you're going to see a lot of Tarmogoyfs floating around the room, and I think Bant's a pretty respectable combination. I so. also think that uh, Dark Confidant is a respectable pick here, if you wanted to go with a Dark Horse candidate. I'm not sure how many Dark Confidant decks don't have Tarmogoyf, but it's entirely possible that something like Tarmorak could pop could pop up in a metagame like this, where you sort of got a lot of aggressive to mid range strategies, and Tomorak can sort of take advantage of that. I think that's a good point about the the fact that there may not be overlap. While you know Jund may be one of the best decks in the format, the fact that there's no overlap for the purposes of the the fantasy pro tour, Tarmogwife's the probably the the better pick if Correct. you if if you think that the, the Jund's going to be you know a player so. Yeah, good point. So let's go to the medium category, which is creatures with a casting converted mana cost of three to four. So, Ruben, what's your pick? My pick for the medium casting cost, and there's lots of good ones at this one, too. There are some categories that you don't got a lot of choices, but medium creature, you got a lot of choices. You got Restoration Angel as a respectable choice. You can go with Geist of St. Traft. 
But I went with Bloodbraid Elf. Uh, keep going down the Jund route. Uh, I think that Bloodbraid Elf is is a respectable choice. All of the Jund decks are going to be running it, it, it as a four of. Um, I've also seen a Nihilist. Um, I'm not sure how many people will play it, but uh, mostly Bloodbraid Elf I'm picking for the Jund players in the room. So I'm going with Bloodbraid Elf. Nice. Uh, I I was uh, I was thinking Vendillion Click. I was thinking Geist of St. Traft, as Ruben mentioned. I went with Restoration Angel, as Ruben also mentioned. I, I just think... Uh, I, I'm trying to hedge a little bit on, you know, potentially on the fact that both Click and Geist of St. Traft are legends, so maybe people aren't running the full four. But if you're running sure. Restoration Angel, you're more likely to be running the full four. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I definitely uh, think it's kind of a... All of those are good candidates. So Restoration Angel, Restoration sure. Angel is my pick. After seeing the success of uh, Eternal Witness and... Um, you know, kind of do work in that Cryptic Command deck. I thought that that might be kind of an interesting pick, but I just don't think that it has enough play. So I'm going to go on the safe uh, the safe path. I'm going to say Geist of St. Traft. I think that the blue-white uh, with a little, you know, X next to it, uh, Tempo slash Aggro decks are probably the decks to beat right now. Sure. And uh, we've seen a lot of really good lists pop up, and they're all over the place on Moto. So... That's, uh, that's my pick. I'm going with Geist of St. Trap. So that brings us to our next category, which is creatures, uh, large creatures, five converted mana cost of five or greater. Yeah, this is one of those categories where there is not a ton of great options. Um, you know, for every deck that has Kiki-Jiki in it, they're probably running one Kiki-Jiki. For every deck that has Revelark in it, they're probably running one Revelark. For every deck that has Emrakul in it, it's more likely they're running one, although there's the, the trap-style decks that have the full four that are trying to get it into play with Through the Breach or, or Summoning Trap or um, Windbrisk Heights. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there's only one realistic choice here, and that's Primeval Titan. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that there's going to be at least some number of people running Valakut decks, and if you're running Valakut, you're running four prime time. And as he says, when nature calls, run. So, <laughs> so I'm going to go with Primeval Titan. Well, uh, Ruben took my first pick, but I did have a backup ready, and uh, I think you mentioned it. Kiki Jiki uh, seems like uh, you know just being part of the part, just such a great combo enabler for those uh, twin decks. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with that, especially alongside. You're allowed to pick the same uh, the same card. Well, I I like I think it's more fun to not pick the. Okay, Same sure. Card. Maybe, maybe I'll, uh, since I did have a backup this time, I'm going to go ahead and use my backup. All right. Plus, it goes along well with the Restoration Angel. With the Restoration Angel. I sure. mean, if we want to treat it like a true snake draft, if something gets picked, then... All right. Well, I've had the first three picks. All right, so I'm, I'm going to go back. Ones. I'm yeah. taking my target wife off. I'm going with Noble Hierarch. So okay. uh, that'll, be, that'll be my pick. So you guys actually chose my first picks. Uh, Kiki Jiki and... Um, and Primetime. And primetime were going to be my picks, just because, you know, of course, we saw Scapeship get unbanned, and it remains to be seen if that deck's going to be a, a real contender. But there, there's definitely going to be, uh, you know, a dearth of, of players that are probably going to be building those, you know, brewing those kinds of decks. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with everybody's favorite big creature to hate. I'm going to go with Emrakul. Oh, yeah. Uh, sure. I think that especially um, at, at, at a Pro Tour where there's going to be people brewing, He's he's a pretty easy candidate to to uh, you know to get passed around as like the breakout deck of the tournament. You know maybe people pick pick their Unas Prowlers and Gorios Vengeances back up, and, and all of a sudden Emrakul's at the top. But uh, yeah, he's my he's my pick. I noticed that we have nine categories, so I had the first pick in three of the categories. So we can go the next three first picks can go to one of you two. Okay, that seems okay. reasonable. So, Joey, why don't you go first on Incense? Okay. Um, I'm actually going to run back my pick from last time. I chose, uh, you know, when we did this for, uh, not for a Pro Tour, but for the, the Grand Prix, the modern Grand Prix. And uh, I'm going to choose Lightning Bolt again because it uh-huh. treated me well last time. And, uh, I, you know, Cedric Phillips did try it, you know, try taking it out of his Jund list. But I don't think, even if, he's, even if he doesn't play it, I think yep. a lot of other people will. <laughs> So Lightning Bolt is my pick. And just to go back to those stats again, 13 out of the 16 decks from the Players' Championship played Lightning Bolt. So 
uh, I would say that's that's sort of the. Uh, I don't play fantasy football. Is that like the Troy Aikman of fantasy football? No, I'm just <laughs> it's the Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman. Of, yeah. Okay. Uh, so my pick. Uh, I'm sort of like going in both directions because I don't know which one's going to see more play. I'm going between Remand and Cryptic Command. Cryptic Command's very good in probably more decks than Remand is good, but Remand, I think, is going to get played more, As far as if that makes sense. Sure. So I think I'm going to go with Remand. I think it gets played in uh, any of the scapeshift decks that are running blue are going to play Remand. It's going to get played in the tempo decks. Um, if there's a control deck, it's probably less likely to play Remand than something like Mana Lake, so that sort of like gives a nod to Cryptic, but... Um, it is sort of the staple counter spell of the format, so that's that's my pick. Yeah, and and uh, you guys actually didn't take either of my first two picks. My first pick was going, or my second pick was going to be Spell Pierce. Um, I think that Spell Pierce has a chance at seeing a lot of play, but I think that far and away the best instant choice here is Path to Exile. Interesting. Um, I think that that that's just. Now, it's not going to be played in Jund, obviously, but I think that that's, uh, that's an okay hedge for me to take. It's going to see play in all the blue, white, red uh, tempo Geist decks. It's going to see play in a lot of the Naya decks, and it's also going to just see sideboard play, which is mm-hmm. a interesting uh, uh, facet of, the, of this format, of our fantasy draft format, is that it counts sideboards. So I'm going with Path to Exile. I think that's a good pick. Uh, the, the next category we have is Planeswalker. So, Joey, what do you got for Planeswalker on your list? Uh, talked to this, talked about uh, this a little bit before you guys, or you know, before we started recording with you guys. And uh, I went with Liliana, uh, Liliana of the Veil, that uh, goes right into the John lists. Not a lot of Planeswalkers see play in Modern, so Liliana is one of them. Yeah, I, right. I think that's a that's a good pick. Uh, there's planeswalkers are sort of sort of hard to play in modern. I think in a lot of ways, just because I think you're playing a different game of Magic than you are in standard and even Legacy. Yeah, Legacy you have sort of game ender planeswalkers. You know, Jace really is playing like you, well, you know have control decks in Legacy. Yeah, Legacy planeswalkers, right? I mean, that's kind of that's really where where Jace fits. You don't see Jace in the mono blue aggro deck that is the top aided <laughs> best sure. weekend. Not that you see the mono blue aggro deck very often, but you know, it's a. Uh, I think, yeah, I think the lack of control decks in modern is is something about you know something to do with that. I think if we're playing decks, you know, Tron is definitely on on the radar. Uh, you know, especially. You know, I there were Tron decks prior to um, the unbanning of Scapeship that were running Primeval Titan to power out um, to power out Emrakuls and stuff. So when we were testing back when Cloudpost and Vesuva was still legal in Old Modern, I saw Primeval Titan pop up a lot. So I'm choosing Karn. If we're going to see Primeval Titan, I think we're going to see Karn. Karn and, is sort of a trump card, sure. Yeah, yeah. So I, I that's my pick. You know. There, those are the two planeswalkers that are going to see play uh, that we know of. But there are two planeswalkers in Return to Ravnica that we have not seen in Modern yet and could entirely see play. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Jace, Architect of Thought. Love it. As my planeswalker. You know, just just to try it out. Um, we There isn't a, a control deck, but if there's going to be one, Jace 4 is going to be in it. So I'm going to go with Jace. I like it. It's, a, it's not, it, you know what, when you've got a four-mana Jace and it falls in your lap, you don't ask questions, you just be thankful. You just, you just play it. You just run it, all right? <laughs> and so it might be, it might be the second best four-mana Jace ever, but yeah, uh, that's a nice place to be. It is the best one, in, it's the best Jace in modern, probably. Although three-mana Jace is pretty good. Yeah. Well, I, was I don't anticipate five-mana Jace seeing a ton of play in modern, yeah. but four-mana Jace is where, where I'm going to go there. I was just going with it being the best four mana Jason modern. So Oh sure. Yeah. It is the best four mana Jason modern, for sure. There's very little debate about that. So let's go to our next category, which is sorcery. Sorcery, uh Joey, what's your pick for sorcery this the Pro Tour? Uh kind of along the same lines of uh of Lightning Bolt, and I don't think I picked this last time, but I think it was it was a high high pick was uh Serum Visions for Sorcery. Nice. Uh 
<laughs> I mean, it's played in the in the blue red combo decks. It's played in the uh, you know Shalta's Eternal Command deck that he did well with at the Players Championship. Uh, right. And yeah. without without ponder or preordain in the format, you want to have some sort of cantrip, some sort of way to dig deeper into your deck uh, for the blue red combo decks, and even for the control decks, they want to have something to uh, you know that's that's opt like. And this is the cantrip du jour. Sure. Yeah, so this was going to be sort of my... I, I think we should maybe take a step back, and you know, we're sort of halfway through the draft here. I, I'd like to talk about... I think that this card is the, going to be the most important card of this tournament. Now, I wish, I wish that I could pick it, but I can't. That's Serum Visions. And I think it's because we're going to see Blue-Red come back on the radar this tournament. You know, the Players' Championship was filled with, you know, a bunch of pro-level players playing decks that involved a lot of skill, and you just don't want to come to that tournament getting, you know, not not being on that level, being able to get hated out by a hate card, right? You want to play decks that are very interactive, very skill-intensive. But going to a Pro Tour, if you have even just a little bit of tech, even just that little bit of edge that makes you a uh, .25 turns faster than your opponent then that's what you want to do. And I think that Storm, uh, you know, Pyromancer, Twin, these decks are going to be at the top of the list. I think that they've been sort of pushed to the bottom for too long, and I think it's it's time that we see them come back. So all that said, uh, given that I can't choose Serum Visions as my pick, I guess I'm going to choose Inquisition of Kozilek. I think that's sort of the de facto oh, discard spell of... Uh, the Jun decks, pretty much any black deck, and uh, maybe you know, who knows? Maybe we'll see zombies show up as an archetype, or you know, the the red black aggro decks are actually pretty reasonable, and sometimes they they play black discard spells. So that's my that's my pick. Um, my pick this whole time was going to be Thoughtseize, but since we just talked about this card, I just I don't think that we really need to go over it. I will just point out that many of the cards you want to be taking, Primeval Titan. Kiki Jiki, to name a couple, can't be and Restoration Angel can't be hit by Inquisition, mm-hmm. um, and I just don't think that there are enough reasons to run Inquisition over Thoughtseize, especially out of Jund, to warrant uh, Inquisition being the higher pick. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. The other card that I, I had on my radar was Gitaxian Probe. Oh, which good choice. Is, uh, uh, I think that card is is obviously just too good. It saw so much play in standard. Uh, it's in the storm decks. It's going to be in pretty much anything that can cast it, which is every deck, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, I've been seeing a little bit of rumblings online with a, uh, a meddling mage deck that had four Gitaxian probe, which is adorable. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to see any play, but I, I, I heard a little bit about it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and pick Thoughtseize, but just everybody keep in mind that Gitaxian Probe is a card. Yeah. Okay. Uh, FYI, Gitaxian Probe plus Meddling Mage is very good. It sounds yeah. very it sounds very Timmy, uh, or is it more? I guess it's more spiky. I don't. It I sounds don't, adorable, is what it sounds. It like. sounds adorable, but I played that at a vintage tournament, and actually, just every time I had the oh, Gitaxian yeah. Probe follow up with Meddling Mage, it was I used like to play Peak Man. You remember when you had to pay mana for Gitaxian Probe? I remember when I had to pay mana. I used to have to actually tap a land to look at my opponent's hand and draw a uh, card. Yeah. For what it's worth, I would play the hell out of peak right now. Oh, yeah. Instant. Yeah. <laughs> In so, standard? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's a one-man so let's, let's move on to enchantment. There's not a lot of options here. They're probably mostly going to be cyborg. And uh, luckily, I get the first pick. So, yep. you know, what, a, what an awesome category to be first pick. Is this like picking a kicker? And <laughs> sure, why not? Okay, so I'm picking Pyromancer Pyromancer Ascension. Good choice. And that's because I think I think that deck's coming back. Uh, honorable mention, I guess, to Splinter Twin, but I think that Ascension's a better deck than, than Twin. Uh, is it my turn, I guess? It is. Uh, so I definitely considered both cards that Cranny mentioned, but I, I thought I'd do something that Maybe was going to be going to see play in in some of the same decks, but also some others. Maybe some more overlap. But like you said, sideboard threads of disloyalty is my pick. Ooh, so, nice, uh, I like that. A lot of that targets. Off my radar. I like that one. 
that's that went with threads. So nice. Uh, Splinter Twin is available. Not going to pick it. Prismatic Omen is available. I'm not going to pick it. I'm going with Blood Moon. Um, I think that the decks Good choice. That, definitely I think thought about the that. The decks too. that want Blood Moon uh, out of the sideboard are going to be running three or four. And uh, that's going to be a popular sideboard strategy for a lot of decks, um, mm-hmm. especially to counteract the uh, the Valakut decks that are going to be happening. So I went with Blood Moon. Nice, right on. The uh, next category, another another whammy, is artifact. <laughs> you brought and... this upon yourself, bud. <clears throat> you gave me the first pick, and then let Joey have it. <laughs> hey, it's fine. I'm I'm happy with my picks, but the the uh, the choices I think are pretty pretty slim. But we did see a vile deck piloted at the Players Championship do fairly well. Vile's uh, you know obviously very good. Cards like cranial plating are good choices if you think affinities are going to be good. Uh, I, affinity, sorry. I'm actually going to go with Thorn of Amethyst. I think that it gets played in Affinity and other creature decks as a way to combat Storm. And it's just randomly one of those cards that shows up in, you know, 50% of sideboards. And I think I'm, I'm going to pick it just on how much I think it'll show up. Uh, I guess if it's my turn, then uh, I, I also considered Vile. But in the same vein as Threads of Disloyalty, I kind of feel like this card... You know, if, if, there, if you're a Vile deck, you, you play Vile, but if... But this card sees playing more than just Vile decks, and that's uh, Vidalkin Shackles. And also going with the theme of stealing your opponent's creatures. Joey, apparently. are you just building a deck off I'm, of your... I'm building your a modern deck. I'm just He's got Restoration Angel Kiki Jiki on his team. He's got Bolt Snapcaster on his team. He's got Threads Shackles. I just, He's just building decks over there. Exactly. <laughs> nice. It's going to be a tough splash for Liliana. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> so, um... I, this was down to two choices for me. Relic of Progenitus mm. is is a very good sideboard option and is also a four of main deck in the green red Tron mm-hmm. uh, list. And I think that that is a very realistic option to have a lot of cards. But I'm going to go with cranial plating. Um, I think that some number of people will be playing uh, will be playing the uh, the affinity deck. And that's obviously the most important part of the Affinity deck. So I think I'm going to go with Cranial Plating, although I'm going to reserve the right to change it on my actual uh, uh, roster to Relic of Progenitus later on. I'm surprised. Like, <laughs> sure. If your logic is a lot of Affinity decks, right, and you're going to say, I'm going to take Cranial Plating because of that, and Vile is available, you know... Not all of the Affinity decks are playing Vile. Okay, I, I think Most that... of the Affinity decks run Springleaf Drum instead. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm just... You know, you're talking about just sheer overlap. Possibility. Yeah, just exactly. Yeah, sure. you, you get some of the affinity decks, and then you get some other non-affinity decks. And I don't think non-affinity decks are playing cranial plating. So no, obviously not. But I don't think affinity decks are playing vile at all. Okay. So yeah, I think the good sideboard cards for this tournament are definitely going to be you know some of the ones you mentioned. Thorn Amethyst, Torpor Orb is is seeing a lot of play in uh, sideboards and modern tournaments online. So I mean, there's artifacts is is a good place for hosers you know, like Tormod's Crypt and Relic and stuff like that. Just because they're universally good, you don't have to put like Stony Silence or Rest in Peace. Those kinds of cards really require you to be in colors that you know, like white. Just you know, do, do you really want to be yeah. playing white? You know what? I'm, I'm going to switch into Relic. I just I've, I've thought about it. I think I want Relic. Relic. I think go. Relic is probably probably the best the best choice. Now, in in hindsight, I think I I, I want to switch it. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So. <laughs> Uh, I actually <laughs> category here, and that category is non-basic lands for the last card category. And uh, this one is pretty easy for me. I'm going Scalding Tarn. Like I said, I think Storm is going to be back in, in a, uh, or blue-based combo decks. Uh, I think is going to be at the at the top of the list, and also it has the benefit of getting played in the Temple decks. It gets played in a lot of the control decks, the Snag Hollow Fountains. So I think this is a pretty safe bet. Yeah, yeah. that's. I think that's definitely the the slam dunk first pick. Uh, you know, scolding Tarn uh, being off the board. I think. I think I'm just going to go with another fetch land, uh, and I'm going to go with Misty Rainforest. I think uh, mostly just because I think uh, you know, like you said, a lot of the blue combo decks are back. 
some of them want to play green, uh, and there's no uh, there's no f- flooded strand in uh, <laughs> in modern. So I'm going to go with Misty Rainforest. You guys well, took my first two. So I, look, it's going to be a fetch land. There's no question it's going to be a fetch land. If you're not picking a fetch land for your fantasy draft, you you're stupid and dumb. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to go with Arid Mesa. Arid Mesa was the top uh, land at the last um, Grand Prix. Mm. Uh, and so I'm, I'm just going to go with Arid Mesa. Fantastic. There's very little to have to explain about that. Yeah. And uh, our last category, which I'm just going to shotgun right now, is the Pro Tour player. And I'm going to go with Paul Reitzel because he called his shot at the Grand Prix this past weekend. I can only assume that he will be going to the Pro Tour, given that it's on this and it's in the same time zone as where he lives, and uh, he's very big on the Pro Tour as far as being a, a promoter and advocator. So, Reitzel, I hope you uh, you give me some points here. Uh, Ruben, do you want to? Since you've been last pick for the past few, sure, I'll, I'll go. I'll last. take it. Um, I had a couple things. This is mostly who I want to see do well. Um, style pick. So I had a couple of options here. I could have gone with uh, Huey. I would love mm-hmm. to see Huey do well in this tournament. I think that missing by one, he felt like he needs another like another finish, even though he really doesn't. Uh, but I'm going to go with Jerry Thompson. Jerry Thompson has not had a ton of success on the Pro Tour, uh, but I think that this is the kind of format where he thrives, where no one really knows what's going on, mm. and he can take advantage of that. And I think that I think that he's due. He's the best player in the world to never top eight a pro tour, and that ends this weekend. Nice, yeah. good, I, good, good call. I like that pick, and I agree with you about. I want to see Jerry do well. I want to see Huey do well, and uh, Jerry may have was somebody I considered for sure. But I'm going to go with. Uh, Mr. You know, he's kind of like the, the Babe Ruth of Pro Tours lately. I think I'm going to go with, uh, or at least pro, uh, top eights, and I'm going to go with Brian Kibler, I think. Brian Kibler seems to... Uh, That's a nice pick. Seems to be at least a solid, safe choice. I think he, uh, he, he tends to show up and then show up in the top right. eight. Right. So. Yeah. So to quickly run down our lists, Cranny has Karn, Noble Hierarch, Geist, Emrakul, Remand, Inquisition, Thorn, Pyromancer's Ascension, Scalding Tarn, and Paul Reitzel. You happy with your list, Cranny? Very happy. All right. Joey has Liliana, Snapcaster Mage, Restoration Angel, Kiki Jiki, Lightning Bolt, Serum Visions, Vidalkin Shackles, Threads of Disloyalty, Misty Rainforest, and Brian Kibler. How do you feel about your roster, Joey? Love it. I think you're all idiots because mine is <laughs> Jace Goyf. Jace Goyf, that's Jace, my deck. The Jace Goyf. <laughs> Jace Goyf. Jace Goyf, Bloodbraid Elf, Primetime, Path to Exile, Thoughtseize, Relic of Progenitus, Blood Moon, Arid Mesa, and Jerry Thompson. I'm very happy with mine. I think that we're going to have a good battle. Good luck, boys, with your uh, with your future endeavors in, <laughs> in the fantasy draft world, but not nearly as good luck as I will have. I mean, I'm going to be glued all weekend. It's, a, it's an awesome format to watch on camera. Um, I'll be honest, I don't know who's commentating this weekend, but uh, this is definitely one that when Pro Tours come around, I put it up on the big screen, I throw out a message on uh, you know Facebook, get people over, do some moto drafts, watch the Pro Tour. I mean, you know, there's only three a year. It doesn't it doesn't happen all that often, but it's it's damn fun to to watch and spectate and see, you know, especially in an unknown format. I mean what you know what a time it's going to be it's going to be great so um to sort of wrap things up here we are in episode 98 98 in contention episodes that means two more until the illustrious or whatever the word is 100th episode so we have got some fun stuff brewing we're, we're thinking of uh a few things to, to do for the show uh, a few surprises and among other things. So uh, definitely stay tuned for more details on that. We may have a contest or so pop yeah. up here. Mm-hmm. And do uh, you guys have anything else to add for this week? Uh, no, I think that's everything. I think that well, there was so much magic content that we had to go over this week. We didn't even get to states. So next week we'll probably have some more information as all of the state's deck lists roll in. We'll get to see some of the fun things that did well. There was an epic experiment deck that top eight yeah. in Missouri states. We'll probably at least graze by that. Um, 
and uh, I'll take a look at the comp- compiled information by next week. And so we'll we'll have a brief discussion on that um, when we have some slightly less busy episode because we were just jam packed this episode. Yeah, I, I imagine next week we'll be we'll talk SCG Indie, we'll talk States, and we'll talk the Pro Tour. That's right. PT, fantastic. Just a reminder right, for everybody: next Monday, the news and ing is back Woo-hoo. and uh, badder than ever. Which I loved that intro, by the way. That was awesome. <laughs> um, and so uh, I will be, I will be wearing a mustache for that. Fantastic. So tune into that. All right, guys. Well, thanks very much for tuning in. Definitely check out the Pro Tour this weekend. And uh, until next time, we are in contention. 